life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. As always, we're starting with a bang. You and I have been talking, and I just looked down, we've been talking for 30 minutes already, and we haven't even pressed record. So here we are. Thank you for joining us as always. Paul and I are already going in like 12th gear. (laughs) I don't even know how to respond, but you're right. I'm thinking about what if we recorded everything we just talked about just to remember the things that we discussed. It was crazy. Yeah, well, and and you guys are following along. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Lots of stuff is going on. First off, uh, of course, I knew this would happen. We we let everybody know that pilgrimage is going to happen this year, right, and I right. fielded four or five emails of people going. I was thinking about going on pilgrimage. <sighs> Where were you? Anyway, that's just okay. Kidding. It, just it's kidding. just, but it's one of those things. And and honestly, just so you guys know that are listening, we the, we are taking what's happened this year, which is not getting enough numbers, and really going to rethink a lot of things on pilgrimage. It's not going to be a totally different trip. I'm not saying that we're driving the same just, tracks exactly. But yeah, but one of the exactly. things that you should also know is that this year, schedule wise, was kind of hard for us because what we want to do is have both those tracks back to back with a day in between. This year, that was nowhere on the calendar. Well, and it depends on the track schedule. Totally. So it's not up to us. We have totally. to wait until Marchish, April, when the yeah. track schedules get mm-hmm. created, mm-hmm. and then RSR, the company we partner and with, hope. then creates the track day schedule, and then we find, hey, what are days next to each other? Exactly. That's and Spa is creating one calendar, and Nurburgring is creating another. Right. And it's not right. like they're in conjunction at all. So we're hoping next year we'll have the tracks next to each other like we have prior, where you know it's drive one one day, have a road tour in the middle, drive the other. We're going to think about a lot of things. We're excited about next year already. I know that sounds insane, but I'm, I'm already excited I, yeah, about no next kidding. year. No kidding. Some of you have asked about what happens the rest of this year. We're looking at a Utah meetup. We're looking at some possible other track days. We're, gonna, we're talking about that. We do want to try to cram a bunch of other track days domestically in between now and the end of the year since we are not doing pilgrimage. Right. And that looks like some West Coast and some East Coast. We'd hopefully, like to kind hopefully. of get into some different tracks but then on the other hand we had for example a successful Laguna Seca track day mm-hmm. a lot of you showed up and yep. it was great imagine if so we it just did depends on Utah, what Laguna and the East Coast all before the end of the year oh wow That'd with be everything else Love that we're to. talking about it well, seems yeah. crazy season season three is in mid-edit I'm, I'm up to episode three of six new ones yeah one and two are mixed they have color remaining but one and two are mixed for those of you that, that care uh, those are those are done <laughs> I just got the mix back in on one and two those are did good you? fantastic Three is Great. mid-cut, and then that means four, five, and six are pending. Six, we're actually shooting this weekend. Yeah. And yeah. we're already planning. We have four of six planned for season four. That's what's going on My there. My mind is rattling with mm-hmm. episode choices mm-hmm. for awesome. season four, and I can't believe we're talking about that already. It's great. But- the planning begins now for, for season sure. four, even though season three. And I'm loving the rough cuts. It's fun to see the work that we've created since the beginning of 2018. It's, it's, it's been, been very fun, fun to see. It's it. been very fun. And we're getting to a pretty consistent pattern now. We are finally ramping up into something I feel like that feels manageable for how to accomplish television at the rate we need to. Right. So that's right. feeling really good. We're so excited to share this with you guys. Lots of great questions tonight. Uh, two really good car debates, both from Down Under. Yeah, we've got two guys, both in Melbourne, Australia, as a matter of fact. And thank you to all of our Australian mm-hmm. listeners. Guys, thank you. We we really appreciate it. We do get the emails, and I want to put these two together because they're ver- both very different. Completely Rather different. entertaining. Completely different, yeah. And uh, just to give you an example, I want you to talk about this and touch on this just a little bit up top, uh, Nate's question. Oh, yes. But given the example of things that we talk about and ideas mm-hmm. that come across our plate, Nate, you actually 
brushed up against this with your Facebook question that we yeah. wanted to get to very early on. Yeah. Then we'll get into the debates here in just a minute. Yeah. So uh, Nate is a friend of ours. We met when we had a Chicago track day. So if we have another one, we'll get to see Nate again. Well, yeah. Who knows who else we'll meet at these other track days. It's one of the cool things about him. But he said, okay, he's observing something. Yeah. You I, have your Cayman GTS, and his comment is you refer to it like a family member, which actually is pretty true. Yeah, I haven't named it. I haven't and gone so far, but I'm not that, that kind of guy. That's true. You wouldn't name it anyway. But then I have this Lotus Elise, which I have I have literally lusted after for a decade, and now I It's own been one. a decade. I, I'm telling you, folks, he's got the model car. Mm-hmm, the I do. 123rd scale or however big it is. Maybe it's an 18th scale. My Sitting on your shelf mm-hmm. since as long as I can remember. Here's actually. what's crazy. Next to all your my, scripts. My son is almost nine. <laughs> I've wanted a Lotus longer than I've been a father. Okay, uh, so when you put it you know, like that. That's there you go. There's perspective for you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I have that car and I completely love it. And my son yeah. actually this evening we happened to go on a bike ride and I took the Mini because it's my pickup. And then we drove for fun and we took the Lotus. Does he remember the FRS or is that memory gone? He does. He remembers it. He does. He remembers okay. it. He likes the Lotus far more. But he says to me, Dad, um, are you going to get rid of this car, this Lotus, or are you just going to get rid of the Mini and get another Mini? Did he say that car tonight? This evening. He said, we're riding in the Lotus. He goes, Dad, are we gonna, are, you're gonna keep, are you going to keep the Lotus and like trade out the Mini for something else? Oh, my gosh. Like, I was like, you want me to keep this, bud? He said, yeah, I really, really like this car. I'm, I, I want you to read Nate's question, but it's along the lines of your father who had the E-Type mm-hmm, Jag mm-hmm. and the cars that got away. Honestly, yeah, for sure. in of all of our is. lives, we've got the cars we wish we still had. Mm-hmm. And is there a way to keep hanging on to the car? Because... Even though you can always make the argument, I can go buy another one, Mm -hmm. family intervenes and just life circumstances and location, all that kind of stuff intervenes, and then you never end up doing it. It's easy to say that. Fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue, though. So Nate's question is, uh, we're big champions of having a constant stream of new car experiences, and we are. Yes, we are. We're, we're go-get-something-new, have a new experience, but he's sitting here going, don't you both have your forever cars? Yes, although I will caveat that by saying the press cars and the other cars that we get into do the new experience thing for you and I. They do. It's not the car ownership thing. They do, but we not everybody to, gets to do but that. But we have to take our own medicine a bit, too, I here. Know. It's hard. I it's hard to it's preach hard. and not practice. Let's I be honest. <laughs> so, so he's essentially saying, is there any chance we're going to get rid of either one of our cars? Yikes. This is his Just question. Just the thought is, is and And I'll, I'll be really honest. Over I, here. I, it depends on the day with me because really? I know. I know if I got into anything other than a Lotus Elise, I will miss the Lotus. But I also think about it this way. I miss the FRS, too. Sure, for so, various reasons. So I think Unless if, if I got... one M is sitting in the driveway as it's replacement. That's the thing. If I got if <clears> I got into something else, there will, there will be things for sure, steering feel and tiny reality of the, how lightweight the car is. Those things will not be replaced by something else. They just won't be. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what other car I buy. Those things will be gone. That's true. Okay? But at the same time, I, I like the fact that there are lots of cars out there to try. So I think it might. But, Nate, what you've brushed up against... Here's the that idea. That we've been talking about. Yeah. And I want you guys to know we've been talking about this for a little while now, kind of since the seasons began to change, sort of talking about it. And I will say it remains an idea at this point. Well, we're kind of placing it at you guys and just seeing what you think. I, I have had the thought ever since selling the FRS that I would really like when Paul and I, I do think it's when, when Paul and I are replacing cars going forward, we would love them to go to one of you. We'd love them to go to somebody in the audience. Yeah, yeah. But we still want to make a decent amount out of it. Right. So, I mean, we've got to pay, you know, what the car's worth. Right, right. So what we're pondering doing, and we're thinking about using the Mini as the test case, is actually just <laughs> having funny. a raffle. Yeah. Have a have a yeah. small cost, especially for the Mini. I mean, the raffle 
ticket charge would be different depending on the car. But correct. Have, yes. a, have a raffle. You buy a ticket. And if enough people buy, we'll have to set a minimum of it's got to make blank amount. Need to whatever happen the car to is. make the difference. Mm-hmm. We can't just hey, ten people entered and but yeah, you know, doesn't make. But at the, the same time, but at the same time, think about the fact you could wind up with one of the cars that is leaving the show. You could wind up with it in your garage for the cost of a raffle ticket. We would love to do that. It's a crazy thought, and like I said, we keep toying with mm-hmm. this, and we've gotten into the details of how the actual we thing have. could we've work, about and it, then yeah. the legality of things and Mm -hmm. how it could be you know all worked out but at face value it's kind of what you said it's a you know 10 20 50 ticket however much the car is worth yeah yeah yeah. and you might be able to win that car and i just i love i love the idea of and we're thinking about starting with the mini because it is a low-cost car obviously and the raffle tickets would be small and we wouldn't need very many people in and it's paid for right you know and on the off chance look I'll, i'll go there on the off chance we make more than, than the car's worth. Guess where that money goes? Into making more show. Back to production. You know, exactly. But, but the reality of it is we know these cars are going to leave our life. We'd love them to go to one of you. Gulp. How cool <laughs> could that be? Yeah. You yeah, know? it would be cool. So we're, and then, we're, we're toying know, with it for the Mini because it feels like an easy place to start. It is. And then, yeah, the people who win the car, we get to meet them. And Absolutely. We, you know, you point to, hey, my car that I just won, here's the videos. The guys shot this mm-hmm. and they did this with it and... All this kind of and stuff. And I got it for nothing. Yeah. I got it for next to nothing. So anyway, we're talking about that. So, Nate, will we get rid of these cars? I, I don't know. Uh, the, Lotus is, the Lotus is in my life for at least another year. I the, would think so. But the Mini, I'm very seriously thinking about putting it up for raffle this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll toy with that. So anyway, that begs the question of response from you guys. And mm-hmm. that comes back to... What do you think of the idea? Mm-hmm. Send us an email. Send us a Facebook message wherever. Yeah, comment wherever on you Facebook feel when we post about this podcast. For yeah, sure. Facebook yeah, is probably it. appropriate. And uh, let us know what you think. It's mm-hmm. like I said, just an idea, but it could be reality. So yeah. let us know what you think. We have car debates. We should do. We do. We need to jump in. And again, thank you to all of our friends and fans of the show in Australia. I, I keep wondering about, huh? When it's winter here. That means it's summer season down that there. We does could mean go that. to Australia and shoot something. It'd be different scenery. I would love that. It would could be an episode for season four. It's Just, it's harder to pick a more expensive <laughs> place to travel to than Australia well, from here, actually. But it's a great um, idea. I love the idea. Love the idea. <laughs> would love to go down there more than just about anywhere in the world, but we pretty much are spick, picking the other side of the globe. We are. I bet you we could pull some cars, find you know some cool actually, places to shoot. If we went and shot in Japan, I'm sure that would be a more expensive trip. But that's about the only place I can think of. How that about would we stop in worse. Japan, do an episode there, keep going? This is not really on the way. Have I you seen the globe? Who's that's money not really on the way that we're using to do this, but. Let's, okay, money, no object. We'll go to Dubai, then we'll go to Japan, yeah. then we'll go to Australia and New Zealand. Why not? Done. I love it. But first of Insane. all, we've got to do these debates for these guys. Yeah, we do. Malcolm is writing to us from Melbourne. Both of them, Malcolm and James from mm-hmm. Melbourne, Australia. And he says, guys, I love the podcast. Thank you for listening. He will be coming to the U.S. for a year to work mm-hmm. and wanted to ask our advice on what car to buy. I love this. You, you wrote into the right podcast. I really, really like this, Malcolm, so much. He's a classic car nut. Mm-hmm. He said, so ideally, he wants something pre-1985 or even better, pre-1970, mm-hmm. U.S. made, iconic, but also a bit quirky. And he said the obvious go-to car is, of course, a Mustang, but he said we have so many of those in Australia, all the old ones. He's looking for something different. Mm-hmm. Now, he has a list of cars here that he currently owns, and I am astounded by this list. I zoned out halfway through the read. I felt like I had been buried under a list of cars. 11 Mercedes-Benzes, 
various years, the oldest being a 1959 220S. By the way, in the email, these are broken down one by one, by the way. He's not right. like he just said, hey, 11 Benzes. He said, no, this one and this one and this right. one and this one and this one. Uh, three Porsches, uh, two, four, six MGs, an Austin mm. Healey Bug Eye Sprite, by the way, which is a car that makes the Lotus look like a bus. It does, yes. I saw one the other There's day. There's very few, and that is one of them, yes. Uh, 1940 Austin 7, 1937 Morris 8, and a 65 Hillman Minx. Mm-hmm. Look up this car. It's, wow. Classic Beetle and classic Carmen Ghia. Yeah, very Lots cool. of classic uh, VWs, in fact. A 1974 BMW 2002, a uh, Ford XP wagon from 65. And, and, and this is the way the list ends. <laughs> and this week, just for fun, I'm getting a 1981 DeLorean. <laughs> well done, Malcolm. That is quite a list. And you clearly are a connoisseur. And it... You know, the, the garage collection doesn't have to be just the exotics and the typical stuff you see all over Instagram. It can be true, a well-curated, true, true. and he loves all these cars for various mm-hmm, reasons, and it's mm-hmm. amazing to me that you've got these cars. Unbelievable. Probably. I want to know what the storage space is. <laughs> Send Because photos. that's the other thing about it is it's not just affording, it's where do I put? <laughs> but exactly. anyway, but I also find two other th- weird twists here. He... um. He's going to be in California, mm-hmm. so he's open to having a convertible, but it is this classic U.S. muscle that he's looking for. But the other big twist is when it's done, he wants to take it back home with him. That is the twist, taking it back to Australia when he's done mm-hmm. in the U.S. So, yes, he's very keen as to what we're recommending. I've got a list of fun stuff on here. I I'm really excited. like this search. I have I have <laughs> three. Enjoyable. I have three specifically I want to talk about, and I and I picked them for very specific reasons. And I have three of them that honestly are cars I've never recommended any of them. Really, and I'm really excited to talk about all of them. His budget here is uh, about forty thousand dollars U.S. Okay, yep. So that's the upper limit. All the cars I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell you right now, Malcolm. All the cars I'm going to talk about, you can get for your budget, or you can get for four times your budget. Same exact car. It's how pristine oh, is it? How much of a show car is sure. it? I mean, it's those kind like of cars. That. But I, I looked up specifically these cars, and I found all of them for forty grand or less. Mm, interesting. All right. So I'm jumping in. I've got eight, so I've got to go fast Eight. Here. Well, That's as, almost as big as his list of cars he currently has. Yeah, almost. I know. It's keeping with the theme, though. At I least love I'm it. Okay, go. Right? Go, go. All right. So if you don't have an Alfa Romeo Spider in your collection, right? Are you truly yeah. there, all the way there? And I thought, all right, how about a Series 2, second generation, 1970 to 1983 Alfa Romeo Spider for, you can get a really nice one for 40 grand. You can get a really nice one for 20 grand. But that you was only get, the starting You might place. get one that runs for 40. Might. <laughs> might. Hold your breath. Fair enough. Spend your money. <laughs> hey, look, honey, it runs. That's why it was 40 grand. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so moving on to the first generation, 1967 Camaro. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. American you're, made. You're at the American bottom of the field. market for forty grand, but they are but they are very cool. They are it has available. To be on the list for sure. Yeah. There's one on my list that isn't available for forty grand, but I have to say it anyway because it okay. is cool. So that led me to the second generation Camaro as well, seventy to eighty one. Mm-hmm. I like those. Mm-hmm. And then that line of thinking led me over to the second gener- generation nineteen seventy nine Pontiac Firebird. With the T-tops, the fire chicken on the hood. That's one of my three cars. Is it really? A 1970s. Because here, here's, here's my thing. Oh, my gosh. Here's my thing. By the way, we do consult our Not lists at all. before Not the at podcast. All. Malcolm, here's the thing I kept thinking about. I kept thinking about what are those cars that are American muscle, that are so iconically American. You see it anywhere on the globe and you know it's an American car. No kidding. And they just, they have that, I don't see many of these 
and it's I, I just I, I wanted I wanted uncommon. That's amazing. And a nineteen seventies Firebird is not a well performing car. But because of the Smokey and the Bandit movies, totally, it is in a class by itself. It's one of my three. The 1970s no Firebird. Way. You've got to get the chicken on the hood. You have yeah, to. You have, you have to. to. That car in Australia is you have one of those. But here's the thing. That car in Southern California is still you have one of those. Agreed. That's what's so cool about it. Keep yeah. going. All right. So I'm going to get into the weeds here just a little bit because I'll, I'll meander back here in just a moment. But I thought something different. American feel. And it brought me to the Porsche 914 because of the size of most of the cars in your collections. Mm, okay. Austins and MGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in that same f- that frame. That 914 yeah. is actually a big car for your collection. <laughs> but what if it had a yeah. Chevy small block heart transplant I in it? I see what you're doing. Make it an American car. Yeah. Okay, all right. Those exist. Yeah, what if do. you got that? Yeah, because it, it fits in with your Porsche love. It's the Chevy 350. <laughs> anyway. Okay, all right. So that kind of thinking, I thought, all right, what are other cars that do that kind of thing? Okay. 1971 to 1973, De Tomaso Pantera, Italian styling for with f- American power. For 40? No, that's the problem. Because that's brilliant, except for the price. They're 70. Of course they are. And on yeah. up yeah, from yeah. there. But Ford power. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very cool. They yeah. have aged really, really well in styling. They have. They're great Italian styling. Mm-hmm. I'm ju- I really like that choice. Not a convertible, but... You know, of course, way out of the budget. Yeah. So wrenching things back to a C2 or C3 Corvette, those generations in there. You've hit another one on my have list. Have I really? Oh, yes. my gosh. Yes. I promise. I, I know. have not I know. even. C2 or C3 Corvette because I thought you don't want a Mustang because they're too common. Right. I, I see your Camaro, but I just thought, you know what? Corvette is cooler. Corvette is way much cooler. cooler. Yeah. The C2 is that classic one. I mean, you're not going to touch a 63 split back window for 40. You're not. No. But yeah. here's what's interesting. Those C3s start about 68. And the 68-69s. The, I, I feel like, at least in my mind, when I envision a C3 Corvette, I envision the mid to late 70s ones, when the fenders got really big right. and, the, and the two-tone right. body paint and that kind of thing. The if you look at the ones, concept. Totally. Concept, or, yeah. or like the, the, the black and gray Indy 500 pace oh car gosh. look. That's, the, that's what I, I pictured. 85, I think. You know? And that, that hung on for, I don't think it was that late, but it was, was like it? late okay. 70s, okay? Because by, by the 80s, we were into to C4. But anyway, um, the thing about the, C, the C3 is I had forgotten, I was sort of digging around, that they did start late 60s. And the 68-69s are the cheap end of the C3s. And they don't look yeah. quite as bloated in 70s as they, as they end up looking. They still look yeah. kind of refined yeah. lines, and you don't see many of them. And I found multiple of those, 68-69s for less than 40. I love that, that is, you actually shopped, too. I, I actually awesome. shopped. I took this budget and I went, this is a car. Does it exist? Yes, it does. No so the, you're at the back end of the C2s. Which are still cool. They're cool. I, I like them. Like I actually like the C2. Something like that. I actually like the C2 personally more than the C3 in styling, except it's interesting. The back end of the C2 I like less, and the front end of the C3 I like more as far as the sure. generations are concerned. Sure. So you could get either, but I actually think that the C3 might be the bigger I'm driving an American car styling of the two. Clearly, Malcolm, you might have to increase your budget. Well, you did write to us. No, so. but, but he can get them for 40 
could, but absolutely. Again, I they, the, like the, you the, said, it depends on the the quality of the totally, car you're buying. Totally. If you really want, at forty grand, you, know, you get ones that can run and probably are ten footers, meaning from ten feet away they look really nice. <laughs> right, okay, right. They're not. I'm not and talking then, about garage cars here. I mean, I'm not talking about barn finds that don't run. I'm talking about right. cars that actually run. They run. They start. But the ones that are like the Concourse ones that have been completely redone are all 130 grand. Any of these cars are they're yeah, all on my list. true, true. But the 40 grand ones will run. I did not mean to steal your thunder in any okay. way. That's no, no, amazing. No. You've though. got eight cars. You've got eight cars. Last one on my list here. I know it's a little bit random. Okay. But how about a 1984 Buick Grand National? Oh, I hadn't gone there, but I like that. It was the car no, that came no, onto no. the scene, and they thought, a, a, a turbo V6 running with the V8s? It, it, that, that's a car that needs no explanation. That is an American that classic. That's an icon. That, and I, yes, I, yes. I say 1984 because it's under his 85 cap, but if you want the, really, the grand national to get, it's the 87 GNX. That was the, yeah, the yeah, really, yeah, yeah. they put totally. all their effort into mm-hmm. that car, mm-hmm. but they're more money, and they, they yeah. go past your 85 yeah, yeah. cutoff there. So, okay. Eh. All right. So I, I said 84 it. was the car that kind of established the grand national. Okay. They made a few, you know, variant years in between. Like it. Like it a lot. Very different. Not a convertible, but that's a unique car in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's a unique car here. It's a unique car anywhere. That's the thing I like about all of these is that they're cars that you just don't see many of. Well, I have one you haven't mentioned. Okay, great. I've never recommended. It's one of those It's, it's one of those muscle cars that I feel like – now, all of you big muscle car guys are going to be like, well, that's obvious. But I feel like it's a muscle car you don't see very many of. If you go to your typical car show, you'll see a lot of 60s muscle cars, and you won't see one of these – 60s and 70s. You won't see one of these nine times out of ten. Okay. Every time I see one, I look at it because, it, to me, it is the best 70s muscle car in just sheer here I am ruling the world styling. It looks mean sitting still. Mm. 1970 Plymouth Barracuda. Oh. Are you hearing the dun 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 in your head too? Because I am. Seriously. The Plymouth Barracuda. I was going to say a javelin or something. You never see them. They've got really wide, big hips. It's got this crazy stance. That is an American muscle car that is not everywhere. Oh, I feel like, I like the Camaros it. are around a lot, the Mustangs are around a lot, even the Vets are around a lot compared to a, to a Barracuda. And that makes the Pontiac Firebird look mainstream. Like it everybody's does. got one of those it does. in comparison I, to a I Barracuda. I just feel like there I remember when I was in LA, my <laughs> I, I pulled into my local Pep Boys once. And I'm not a big muscle car guy, but I pulled into my lo- local Pep Boys once to get something for the Z car that needed that was its thing that week. And I walked out and there was there was one sitting there in that like lime green Ooh. barracuda. And I just walked around it for two or three minutes. It was just like, that looks like nothing else. Yeah. 1970 Plymouth Barracuda. If you could find one and wind up back in Australia with it, you will be a king here and there. No kidding. I love that. How about an SRT Barracuda? They just bring the name back. They don't bring Plymouth back, but just the okay. name. SRT, Hellcat well, Barracuda. If, if, you've got, if you've got money, if you've got money, you take a Barracuda and there you put a Hellcat drivetrain in it, and now you've really got something. Then that's one of one. Apparently, apparently I have some weird fever dream part of my head that is like, I want to build cars, even though I really, really don't want car projects. What I need is crazy oh money to pay somebody else to build crazy cars. But anyway, so Barracuda, my friend, Malcolm, hopefully something in there is helpful. Paul listed eight cars, Can't and I gave it. you a couple others. So uh, yeah, find something fun and let us know what it is. Congratulations on coming to the U.S. just to play around. I mean, I realize you're working, but you're playing around buying a car and taking it home. That's no awesome. Kidding. Feeding the addiction. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Malcolm, thanks for writing. Uh, if you've got your own debate. 
everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on the website, everydaydriver.com, which has been updated with all the new links and everything in there. Yeah, you Check can now out. get to Amazon directly from there. Remember, yep. season one and season two are both on Amazon. Season three will be on Amazon as far as we know. We don't have any reason to believe otherwise at the moment. So we are moving toward all of those things. I'm so excited about season three, you guys. If you haven't seen, cool. if you haven't seen or rated on Amazon, we would appreciate your Amazon rating, not only for season one, but also for season two. This sounds insane, but you have to make sure you're looking at season two. Otherwise, you accidentally rate season one. Yeah, you actually Weird. have to flip the but we, if you've seen the it, flip. You want to share your thoughts with others, we would love for you to do your ratings. And thank you to all of you guys that are watching. They're actually playing pretty well, which I'm thrilled to see. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Guys, if you've ever wanted to help this podcast, we have a way you can do it that costs you nothing comes up about once a year. This is the Podcast One survey. This is actually a very important thing for us. You guys were vital last year in doing this survey for us. It only takes about five minutes. You go to podcastone.com slash my survey or just go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. So what this does is it's a demographic survey, which is short. It's completely anonymous, but it helps align the appropriate advertisers to you, to our audience. As we found when we first started out, there were some random ads out there, and you called us out on it. So this actually helps direct the audience advertising. So if you'd like to have ads that relate to you, if you'd like to help this show stay free and run fewer ads that actually relate, that's what this survey is for. Even if you did it last year, first off, thank you. It was very helpful. We need at least 100 of you to do this survey again this year. Again, you can find it at podcastone.com. Five minutes. Please take the survey for us. It will help this show immensely. Sometimes finding a proper fitting shirt can be difficult, especially dress shirts. When I was a kid, my dad spent an entire day in London buying custom shirts for him to wear. It was very expensive. We lived in England at the time. He spent a ton of money and a ton of time trying to get a proper fitting shirt. Not necessary anymore. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds. And what you do is you answer 10 simple questions. You can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles, you know, from classic to business all the way to casual, customize your shirts and it gets you the style that you want. A proper cloth shirt is risk-free. They guarantee a proper fit, meaning if it somehow doesn't fit you right, they will remake it for you for free. This is the future of shirts. They start at just $80. Now, that might feel expensive, but here's the thing. You go to propercloth.com slash everyday, you can get $20 off your first shirt. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a brush hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, brush hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free. Let's return to Australia for part two of the podcast. We have another car debate coming to us from Australia, completely different than Malcolm's at the top of the podcast. This one is James writing to us from Melbourne as well. He says he's wishing for something else. Yeah. This is kind of a worst case scenario. James is he's commuting. He's driving every day and he realizes I absolutely hate my car. 
He has a 2013 Ford Mondeo, a wagon. It's the definition of fine. <laughs> it aspires to fine. I it's suppose. Just, it's a, he's got a one-hour commute, and he, he says he spends the entire – this is how you know it's bad. He spends the entire time on his one-hour commute looking at every other car around him and wondering if it's better than his. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad day. That's yeah. a bad car owner day. So we've got to find you something better than that, which maybe that's a low bar, but you really would like to get something else. And, uh, yeah, so you, you used to have a Golf, but it was a 1.6, and you said don't want to go back there. You also had a Ford Fairmont Gia, an 88 Ford Fairmont Gia. Don't want to go back there either. You're looking for something else you can thoroughly enjoy. Now, budget limit here is 20000 Australian. Or, or or you said 18000 for Paul. Because See, you know now that's gonna, a number I understand, actually. Exactly. But So 20000 Australia. And uh, so there's that. And uh, he has one other thing. He's six foot tall, broad shoulders, and he has a bit of a back problem. So seats are vital. And so he says instantly no Holdens. Apparently none of your Holdens seats are working for you. So he's very concerned about seats. That's actually how I shopped for James, was thinking about seats first. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I hate to admit, admit that, but I was the same mindset over here. I think we have to. And I will say, James, thank you for writing. I uh, We've talked about seats before. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturers that, generally speaking, make the best seats are Volvo and BMW. Yes, true. Agreed. We've come to this conclusion many times at car shows and all the cars we've driven. And so I'm going sniper for you, my friend. Are you really? I have two. Okay, I'm glad. But, but bravo on the sniper shot. I don't have well eight done. this time. I Excellent. Mean, we're also not filling out a you know 40-car garage. We aren't. We aren't. But go on anyway. All right, James. 18,000. I know deep in my heart that you can get <laughs> a BMW 128i or a 135i. Okay. Thinking BMW, thinking the seats, and I'm thinking cars that you will love and forget about looking at other cars because mm-hmm. you're going to be slicing through traffic. It's still great to sit in when you're moving slowly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you can choose what kind of transmission you want. By the way, you can still get that DCT in the 135. Mm. That is still available if you want to go the automatic or dual-clutch route. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm just saying, the seats, I, I came back to that as a small, nimble car, and 18000 or 20000 Australian. Yeah, that'll. I, I'm positive you can. Okay. One, two, and eight, if you can get the sport package on either car, highly recommended. You've probably heard us say that before. Get it as sport packaged as you possibly can, yeah. <laughs> Spray sport package Definitely. something at the what's car. The, what's the M suspension? Yeah. Please set me up. Yep. I'm just wondering, can you go after those cars? Find it for your okay. price. Even okay. if you need to push a tiny bit, could you push a tiny bit? <laughs> I know you're already giving me the limit, but I'm but, just saying. But this is who we are, yeah. I, I want you to really get in something you enjoy and, mm-hmm. and enjoy for longer than the next year. Yeah, agreed, agreed. You know, so, wow, this could be a, a couple-year, two-, three-year car for me, or mm-hmm. maybe longer, mm-hmm. and just something that will change the equation for you in your mind. That okay. You are no longer thinking about, hey, man, he must be having fun, even though he's creeping along because he's got the better car. Dang it. No, okay. I want you to be admired by somebody like, wow, interesting choice. What led you mm-hmm. to that? Mm-hmm. Well, my back problems, and by the way, fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm going BMW for you. Okay, I have a couple, and I and I've I've got like a it's it's almost a wild card third because okay. you're gonna have to shop and see what's possible. I had a I had a I had a car for you, but it's out of your budget, so I had to go other places. Okay. So I want to come back. I'm gonna kind of touch toward the 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 car that I thought would was right with more budget. At the end is kind of a wild card. Search in this direction, see what you find. All right. But I'm gonna stay with BMW for a second. But I'm going to go get the E90, E92 generation. So that's a three-series 
prior to the current. Sure. Right now, as much fun as the M3 would be, they're completely out of your price range. But the E90, which is the four door, or the E92, which is the two door, mm. good seats. Get get one. Get, here's here's the combination. Ideally, shop one with the good M Sport pack on it. That could be a small engine or a large engine. Mm-hmm. The perfect combination for you is get one M, M Sport pack with the largest engine you can to accommodate that and your budget. Right, right. I don't know what that combination is going to be. You have to shop in your area, but I found a lot of them available for your price if you're not shopping M cars. Okay, all right. So, and look, I've known plenty of big guys, ourselves included, that fit well in that car. It's a bit bigger. It's a very good-sized car. The seats are excellent. I think you should definitely shop those seriously. Another one that I thought of for seats that I've actually heard people tell us that they had bad, bad backs, and these seats are good for them. Okay. The Infinity G37. They have them down there. They're even under your budget in some no cases. Kidding. G37 Coupes. It's a good-looking car, good seats. Look, it's a 2 plus 2. There's not any back seat room, but you don't say you need that. It's also a cool-looking car. Those G37s, I think, have aged really well. Infinity G37s. I looked them up. I found a few in your price range and below. That's awesome. So I like that. Infinity G37. Now I'm going to give you my wild card. The car I think was actually perfect for you. Our friend Derek Miller, who went on pilgrimage with us a while yeah, yeah. back, just bought one. Oh, Volvo V60 Polestar. Right. There's your car, but it's out of your. It's it's it just They're you expensive. can't even see it from your budget. I'm sorry. They're, They're gorgeous. You, you want twenty grand? There they were between forty and sixty. Yeah. But here's my thought: Can you get the R type? Can you shop Volvos? Figure out what Volvo you can get. Could be a C30, for, for God's sakes. Those are cool cars. Now that's interesting. C30, Type R, maybe a, um, an S60, uh, R-Type, sorry, R-Type. That's their right. kind of sporty before you get to Polestar, if you will. Right. Great seats, good dynamics. I really think you should look at Volvo and see what your options are in your area. I would put you in a C30. Mm-hmm. I would put you in an S60 with a, with a nice R-Type uh, setup. The Polestar would be the business, but it's twice your budget. So that's why I put that in kind of wild card territory. So there's three for you, James. Hopefully something there puts you on an area to get into a car that, honestly, you just like. More than anything, I just want you to have a car you like. They're always You have the yeah. disease, my friend. You're always going to be looking at other cars going, I bet that's cool. And you know what? It probably is. But at least if you can have a car that even if that other car next to you is cool, you're still sitting here going, but I do like this. That's what you want. You're bringing the noise. I love it. Barracuda. Barracuda. I'm telling you, I just keep hearing the guitar riff (laughs) in my head. That's awesome. Well, no, I I like your choices here too. And, and, uh, there is IPD in Oregon. As a matter of fact, they're a Volvo tuner. And if you want to Volvo and throw some stuff at it and throw power at it, you could order some parts. (laughs) I love that you're calling from Australia. Hello. (laughs) That was an Australian accent. I'm sorry. I've now offended an entire country because that was, that was a butchering. But my point is you've called from Australia and said, I'd like to buy some Volvo parts. I love that. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you both for writing in again. And we've got to jump to some social media questions here. Starting in on Facebook here, and uh, there's a few. There's a lot. There's so many. As a matter of fact, I actually went back to the prior podcast. Did you and, really? And uh, looked up some questions you, too. You can't go back when we're getting a it's we're getting hard. eighty a podcast. You can't go back and add more. That's insanity. There's so many on here. It's All great right. though, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, well, I, I take that back. I'm going to start on Instagram with Shady Driver. Okay. Who says, "Am I overlooking too many good cars?" If I never want to buy another front-wheel drive this. automobile in my life. I saw this. And I came up with a list. Okay. And Shady Driver, these are the cars among many that you will never be able to drive if you 
don't go front wheel drive. Mm. The Fiesta ST, yes. the Focus ST, mm-hmm. Focus RS, Volkswagen GTI, Seat Leon Cupra RST with 310 horsepower. Look at you, yeah. Renault Megane 265. Excellent. Peugeot RCZR. Don't know that it drives great, but man, it looks good. It's hotness. Peugeot 208 GTI, the Hyundai i30N, Mazda Speed 3, and the 2018 <laughs> Honda Civic Type R. I knew you'd land at the Civic. I knew you'd, <laughs> you'd finish that list with the Civic, no matter what. Actually, you, you did say RS in there, and that's all-wheel drive. But, I, but otherwise, that list is fantastic. I agree with you. But I was just going to say Fiesta and Type R. By and large, Done. if you stay rear-wheel drive, I actually think you're going to be happier with the dynamics. But both the Type R and the Fiesta ST are those cars you drive and go, I didn't know front-wheel drive could be this awesome. Yeah. It, it, look, there's there's a reality that it just can be awesome. Plenty of people have raced front-wheel drives, done very well. I'm not arguing that. But those are two cars that when you drive them hard, you, you they exceed what you think front-wheel drive can do, mm. I think. Mm. Did you see Oliver's question on here? Best fast food to eat during high-speed canyon runs. During? I, I that think was my thought. Trying was, to was during. Get us. I, I think you're just trying to get us here. Prior, right. sure. But when the actual driving is happening, both hands on the wheel. We're not never eating. We're not food. eating. Why fast food? What, when there's fresh, healthy choices elsewhere? No, see, I'm going to eat the fast food. That, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying during is my question. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a problem. So never and no fast food. Not interested. That's funny. That's very funny. Uh, let's see. Alex Martinez wrote in on Facebook and said, ever since I saw he saw our comparison between 500 to Barton Fiesta ST, he's kind of lusted after the Fiesta ST. Mm, yeah. His question is, he, he likes everything about it. He likes the look. None of that bothers him. He really would like Apple CarPlay and a halfway decent sound system. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's saying, okay, he's not even really concerned about the quality of the materials. His question is, should he get a Fiesta ST and upgrade the center, center stack? Or should he just accept the fact that the interior is not good enough and get something like a GTI? Alex, you've answered your own question. Agreed. If, if the, the Fiesta ST being a cheap interior doesn't bother you, the problem that bothers you is the tech. Update the tech and be a very happy person. Mm, yep. Because the, the, the GTI, while a far better place to be on all fronts, far better place to be, does not have the laugh factor of that Fiesta ST. So if you like the looks and the laugh factor of the Fiesta ST, all you got to do is get on somewhere like Crutchfield and do you know what stereo fits, and off you go, man. You've got. Yeah. I'm actually considering putting Apple CarPlay in my wife's Cayenne. I think you should. The only thing she doesn't like about it is she wishes she could plug her phone in direct. And it's a place where Porsche is almost always a bit behind, is that kind of connectivity. Agreed. Agreed. So, okay, I've got a 2010 Porsche that is lucky to have USB ports. But I could just replace the. It's got a For double din three thousand dollars. Seriously, or whatever. it's got a double din space system in there. Pull yeah. that out. Put an Apple CarPlay one in, and suddenly the car's all the tech she wants. Done. So Alex, I think that's your answer, man. I think it's Fiesta ST and some stereo shopping. Love it. All right. So there's a question from Adam F on Facebook, and he's asking about the. You remember the knobby tire mm-hmm. truck discussion when you mm-hmm. were describing the Jeep Wrangler that we had and. Yes, the tail slidey, out. slidey. Right, with the, uh, with the I guess, the all-terrain or mud tires on this Jeep. And he's asking here, he says, I think all-terrain tires are supposed to be pretty good in the snow, but the mud terrain tires are known to be terrible on anything besides the mud and slippery rocks. And see, this was the OEM tire. It wasn't a full-on mud tire. I'm trying to remember what was on that. It was the 33's the OEM from the factory. I don't, I, don't remember, I, I don't remember the brand, but they were the, the OEM. That car's not getting sold with just mud tires. It's the OEM factory 
all-terrain tire, and I was shocked at how bad they were in the snow. I mean, they have to go with they, – they have to make a decision. For sure. Obviously, they can't go the winter full-on – And they're not going to sell straight-up mud tires off the line. But yes – I will say the winter tires will be better for, for sure. all vehicles all of the above. regardless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you drive a pickup, an SUV. The winter tires, because the siping and the compound mm-hmm. will the be better the in the winter. Thing. And for I'm sure. not just saying snow either. I'm saying mm-hmm. the cold conditions. And the tire shops recommend you know 45 degrees outside or lower, 45 Fahrenheit mm-hmm. or lower in temperature to drive on your on your winter tires. But otherwise, it's kind of like an all-season off-road tire is what it is. <laughs> okay, fair. you could go camping. You can do a gravel road. You can kind of crawl on some rocks, and maybe it'll work for you in the snow, maybe. But you should make better decisions and kind of have... <laughs> <laughs> the sidewall of the tire says you should make better decisions. we got to figure out what the molded. acronym is for that. It's just molded in there. i got to talk my way there. But yeah, they're, the winter tires will always be better. Which it just says at the end of the designation, it says MBD. What's MBD? Make better decisions. <laughs> there's, there's so many codes on there already. Probably we'll hidden in there anyway. Right in. Probably hidden there anyway. It, it. it leads me to this bone that I have to pick. I just saw Uh-oh. AAA suggesting that all-season tires might not be worth it. And their conclusion was they're testing in a straight line braking distances in wet weather. Well, how, how about the snow and the ice and the rest of not yeah. just... Kind of warmish rain on the concrete. At that point, you should be in performance summers that handle water because you're going to be better yeah. off. Yeah. And then, come on, let's go to the extremes like we get in Canada sure. and Minnesota sure. and Montana yeah. and here. Mm-hmm. So their their whole, I guess, sum up here was, wow, tires that have lower tread don't perform as well. The, the tread's disappeared and it's worn away. That's revolutionary. They, they don't perform as well as the newer mm. tires. And I'm thinking, really? This is why I'm a AAA member? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, there's more to that story, and you can read that. But AAA is is um, I don't think they've gone far enough in their testing. Is my that's funny. Well, the tire rack kills it in their testing. Yeah, so they, they go for it. No kidding. Uh, Jordan wrote in on Facebook and said his uh, GTI had an unfortunate incident with a deer last week, and he's asked <laughs> us about unfortunate or close calls or incidents that we've had on shoots. I've seen a lot on the roads lately. I've seen yes. two just yes, yes. between yesterday and today. So I have one story I want to tell. I may have told this before that happened with my son in the FRS. Oh, yeah. It was a very close call. Not on a shoot, but a very close call. But then Edgar chimed in. Edgar, who shoots for us, chimed in when Jordan posted this on the last podcast and said that he could think of a few incidents. I'm not sure what all of them he's thinking of. Probably the but, mid-engines and but mountains. But he's thinking for sure the mid-engines and mountains yeah. one. When we did our feature film Mid-Engines and Mountains up in, uh, guess what, the mountains of Central California, there's a long discussion of that on one of our early podcasts. You can find that title. But the short version of it is um, we came around a corner to find veterinarians uh, hanging bighorn sheep from the bottom of a blade-spinning helicopter that they then rocketed into the backcountry. You have not been disturbed by animals until that has happened to you. (laughs) And that happened to us in the middle of a shoot with a bunch of mid-engine exotics. Yeah, on sharp gravel roads. And being directed by park rangers who don't understand these cars do not belong in that road. And I cannot navigate the rocks up that road to get out of the hovering helicopter 10 feet off the ground with a dangling, tranquilized bighorn sheep. Yeah, go, go down this go down this rutted side road with a bunch of sharp boulders. No, is the answer to that question. Yeah, she, she didn't so, like us too much No, she didn't. Day. She didn't for, at all. So there's a long description of that, Jordan, in that podcast. You'd like to hear it, but I'm sure that's the one that, that uh, Edgar's originally thinking of. The one that happened to me is twice a year on one of our favorite roads here. Uh, they, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, they commute the sheep. The sheep go up into the high country or come down. <laughs> and the sheepdogs are no help. And I'll tell you why in a second. But I was going down one of, the, one of my favorite roads, had my son in the passenger seat, and I, I got to a section where there were some pickups 
and I could see the pickups were going slow. Well, the pickups going slow on this road a lot of times because they're looking to hunt stuff. So I couldn't tell why they were going slow. I've got the guardrail to the right of the car, and it's a, it's, a, it's a turn to the right. So, of course, the guardrail is covering the vision of the, of the turn off to the right as I'm coming around at speed. You follow me? Sure, yeah. Came around a corner to discover a black sheep, adolescent sheep, standing in the middle of my lane. Cool. Most of the sheep were off. I had seen there were sheep. I wasn't, I wasn't gunning because I had seen there were sheep, but I did not expect to come around the corner, and as soon as the lane opened up, black sheep standing in the dead center of the lane. Did he cast an eyeball at you? He didn't. He was oblivious. It's a sheep. He well, was oblivious. Right. So I luckily had just enough space between where I was and the oncoming pickup to duck into the oncoming lane and around the sheep and back into the other lane mm. before my son even knew anything had happened. Mm. I got done, and he went, what happened, Dad? And I went, nothing. Nothing, you nothing. Need to be but I just came about. around a corner. It was like sheep. <laughs> so that happened as well. There's a couple of questions. Uh, one from Alexander M on Facebook, and another from Jason W. Both asking about the Porsche Panamera Sport Turismo. Oh yeah, and specifically the Mission E Cross Turismo. Mm-hmm. Jason's talking mm-hmm. about, hey, this thing's ugly. And Paul, what's going on from a designer's <laughs> eye? What went wrong? Please no fanboy alibi, and you're right. I, I, <laughs> he's, I given, he's taken away your ability to just be like, but it's Porsche. I know. Yeah. I, I agree. So, yes, your your question just assumes that it's ugly, and I agree, and I kind of do. But the best way I can succinctly put it is too much corporate influence. Mm, interesting. Because they're part of the Volkswagen group, and Audi's doing its cross, you know, off-road, you know, all-road kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because of... That um, I guess there's just so much influence, and they're letting themselves be influenced instead of leaders. The leaders that mm, I love them to be and know okay. them to be, and okay. I think they're trying things on as car companies do. They they try it on, just like kids try out some words on you. They learn some new words and they try them out on you. <laughs> Comfortant was my son's recent one. Yes. Anyway, yes. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah. car companies will try out. You know what? Hmm, I wonder if there would be response to this. Mm-hmm. That's what happens at the high end. Yeah. With yeah. exotic cars and people say, yeah, we'd buy it, and they kind of figure out, okay, there'd be eight hundred buyers. We'll make seven ninety nine cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, look, they're all sold. How uh, strange that's what Ferrari does. Yeah. But they're they're trying things out and they're kind of testing the waters. I think with this car, but I don't think it was well conceived from the get go. It was all right. We got the Mission E. We've got the Panamera Sport. Guys, good. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go ahead and develop those and get those on sale okay. and get them out there. And then over here on Facebook, Alex's question, Alexander's question was really about the pedestrian safety sound and a sound that they are claiming that has an emotional sound of the car. He says, thoughts on this Porsche electric car having an enhanced emotional sound. Well, if you go back to the Fisker Karma, Mm -hmm. that car had a Mm -hmm. groaning noise. Yeah, like an alien groan, yeah. It sounded at a particular speed, 12 miles an hour. I think it was like 25 25 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're creeping along and the car starts to emit this noise, but rightfully so because it's totally silent. Yep. You can't hear it. And now with the crosswalk zombies looking at their iPhones... You're yes. creeping up on people. You are. And yeah. I think it's a good thing, but I think it needs to be really carefully thought through. And the sound itself will be crucial mm-hmm. because if you're creeping along in traffic on the freeway, should your car make that noise? Well, there's no pedestrians around. <laughs> Interesting point. Cool. Now all the cars are groaning during your commute. And, and, and <laughs> can you imagine? I thought about that. News 9 and Chopper flying down the line of freeway going, 
what's that sound? Imagine the 405 entirely replaced with cars that are supposed to be silent because they're electric, but now they're groaning because they're required to. That is fantastically awful. I mean, we're creating new I love problems it. That is we very never funny. thought of. So I, I think it's good, and something needs to happen, a noise mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make people aware. What's that strange sound? And yeah, it's yeah, yeah. musical and light, but it's not too intrusive, and it's not jangling my nerves, but it's, it's going to make me look up. Well, look at all the backlash that Porsche's gotten for what's happened to the Cayman and Boxster. Got rid of the flat six, went with the 718 four-cylinder, and you cannot read or hear a single review that talks about the loss of sound. Yeah. How on earth, and I'm genuinely asking, is Porsche going to surmount that problem by going with an in, no engine sound at all? This Maybe. is a very difficult reality. Of any, you've identified it. Of any car company known for sound? Absolutely. Absolutely. Porsche's got to be up there at the top. I mean, there's They're Mustangs there. and there's a bunch. And Ferrari and there's there's companies that have their yeah. sound, but Porsche is certainly on that list. Yeah. You don't buy a McLaren for the sound. Not really, no. I mean, they're, they're fantastic. I'm not no taking anything care. away from them, but you don't buy it for the sound. Ferrari, you do. Ferrari, you do. Porsche, you do. That, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying these are the reasons, but those are a factor. It, it, it's on the list, You know sure. what? People talk about the Aston Martin Vantage as sounding awesome. Mm. It's just it's on the list it's, of reasons why I like that car. It makes you melt. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a hard one to surmount for sure. It's going to be tough for Porsche to do this, but I think they need something ultimately, Alexander. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what it sounds like. Uh, let's see. Julian913 uh, on Instagram said, we have to buy each other a car, <laughs> a running condition car, $3,000 limit. What do we buy each other? Are we nice or are we not nice? Well, but he says it's running condition, $3,000. Mm-hmm. I'm buying you a 944. Are you? Yeah. A 944. It'll I be a money it. pit beyond that, but for yeah. three grand, I could find you one that's running. It, it'll run. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, hmm. I'm working on that because the ones I want to buy, like an FRS or something like that, are not really three They're grand. Not three grand point. yet? Nope. I'm gonna have to go older. I'm gonna have to come back to that question because you know I want to say Mazda three or something like that, but too boring. I could think of two you could buy me, but but I'm gonna say Porsche 944 for you. For All right, sure. I'm gonna come back to that. I'm gonna take a mulligan on that one. Okay. Okay. Because I've got to answer Z Will's question on Instagram about the difference between traction and grip. Oh, okay. Is there any real difference is what he's asking. I will sit at your feet for this one, I guess. <laughs> well, I've been putting some thought to this, and I think okay. traction, why Why do we have both these words? Mm-hmm. And why do they kind of mean the same thing? They kind of do. They are I interchangeable agree. in many ways, yes. But I look at traction, the word, as implying loose surface, like loose gravel or ice or snow. Okay. And you're trying to gain traction. Okay. And grip implying hot sticky surfaces like racetracks mm-hmm. and you know we're we're driving even drifting you know you're you're still playing with levels of grip okay even though you could apply the word traction but you wouldn't really introduce that word in a, into a sentence when talking about drifting you talk about grip levels of grip yeah you're slicing the onion but i find you thinking i do but again i think well why do we have these two words mm-hmm. what, are they you know, choose one and let's let the other one fall off the Oxford Dictionary. Let's just let it go. <laughs> but then what does one insinuate? What is the other? So that's what I'm thinking about is the hot track surfaces, okay. street cars, that kind of thing. Whereas traction more implies the weather and the okay. fire roads and loose gravel right. and mud and that kind I of see thing. What you're trying saying. to get traction. All right. I see I see your, your way to look at it. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm at. Uh, Adam. Uh, Adam Delbro on, uh, let, what is this? This is Twitter, actually. Thoughts on a rear-facing child seat in a two-seat car with the airbag off? I was hoping you'd get to this. 
Adam then says essentially he has a family car, but does he need to give up the dream of owning a sports car and have a second practical car now that he is a father? Adam, uh, you hear who's talking to you, right? Uh, I'm the guy that that I own two two two-seat cars. He calls one his mini pickup, Adam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Look, if you can turn off, you have to turn off, especially with the the rear-facing child seat. You have to turn off the passenger side airbag. If you have a car that does that, you, you, you aren't required because you became a parent to buy a car with back seats. They mm. can't force you to do that. Right. You have to have you, you have to have a significant other that is tolerant. Because you Adam, <laughs> here's the that's the bigger question. Do you want to have that fight every time you want to you have to pick up the child in that car? Right. If you right. have a tolerant significant other, and I am blessed to have that, if you have a tolerant significant other, get yourself a sports car. Make sure the passenger seat airbag turns off yeah. and enjoy yourself. Right. I I love seeing the kids eating the Lotus. I, I do. It's It just speaks volumes. Okay, so what else? Uh, Fru Brew, Frubra on Instagram says, at what age did you start recognizing police car headlights in your rear view? <laughs> when it was my wallet on the line. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it was when I got my first ticket at age 16. Ah, uh, okay. And yeah. it caught me by surprise. Now, I was thinking initially just recognizing cars, their headlight signature, and that was fourth grade. <laughs> I wasn't even driving it, but then I think, okay, police car headlights, there was no reason for me to be paying attention to police car headlights mm-hmm. in fourth mm-hmm. grade. But as soon as I turned 16, I was driving home from high school one afternoon and just music, cruising along, sure, having sure. a great time, 50 and a 35, Oof. bam. Not as fun. And uh, yeah, I'd say right away. In my Wasn't that career. first ticket terrifying? Though? Oh, it's, it was awful. It was just one of the most terrifying experiences, at least for me. I, I, I remember being just like near shaking terrified because I was, <sighs> I was every bit of 16. Of course I was. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I was, <laughs> you've heard me more than yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I, I was going too fast very early on in that first, you know, and, and I have to wonder what really goes through the cop's mind when they get a terrified first-time ticket 16-year-old. I because, think it depends on the day they're having. Yeah, but I think on some level they have to be like, you know, I feel a little sorry for you because you're freaking, freaking, freaking out right now. Yeah. But at the same time, that's good too, you know? I think it was a great learning experience. I almost sure. think that everybody should get their get a ticket. Just mm-hmm. go speed, mm-hmm. and that should be part of driver's head. <laughs> you have to pay to play, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, Wall of Yawn on Instagram. By the way, I love that, Wall of Yawn. Uh, <laughs> our thoughts on buying a new car and using it for Uber or Lyft to pay for it? Mm, depends on the car. I think that is the answer. Depends a lot on the car. And I actually want to group in here Turo. Because we see a lot oh, yeah. of people that have got, for lack of another way to put it, fleets of cars in Los Angeles. The same person, they've got four cars listed. I think it really depends on the car, and you have to just accept the fact it's going to get beat on. But if you get to have, let's put it this way, if you get to have a nicer car that you couldn't get into otherwise because you're doing that, okay, all right, I can see it. The You have to think about how it's going to get used, too. Can you have a car for Uber that you want to drive that really is good for Uber and Lyft? Does Mm -hmm. it have a big trunk? Can you get that passenger seat far enough forward that people aren't going to constantly kick it? You know, these kinds, you got to think it through, you know. And for a car on Turo, I would actually Turo a luxury car. I would not Turo a sports car. Oh, really? Because the sports car, I'm saying not me renting one. I'm saying having a car I own and put on Turo. Really? Why? Because the luxury car is not going to get hooned. 
it might get beat on a little bit, but you, I, I, why did I buy it? I buy it for a nice place to be <laughs> Unless in. you're us toroing that car. Yes, yes. Avoid all, all automotive journalists. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. Just saying. If you bought a nice car for Turo, that is that is known to be a nice car, but yeah. it's not known to be an enthusiast car. Most people are gonna gonna rent it, especially in a large city. You're gonna rent it for a nice place to be, not for a car to hoon. Sure. But if you Turo, and we've seen somebody do it, if you Turo your Z06 Corvette, we've watched oh. the guys leave the parking lot, oh. and it was a burnout that they nearly lost control of at every one of the first three lights. And I kept thinking yeah. that owner is gonna get a balled up car. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean that could be the equivalent of Mustangs leaving cars and coffees on just about Saturdays. Just about Z06 is works. leaving Turo. There it is. <laughs> it's the new equivalent. No, I like it. I mean, the thin slice here is that Uber and Lyft car that you're paying for. You got to drive a lot, and you got to make sure the car mm-hmm. is good for mm-hmm. it. So, therefore, what's the best ride sharing car? Is the question I think you're really asking to some degree an electric one, a Model Three, or a Bolt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd go for the Bolt to be honest. I, that's what I was picking up. Because you can go get one. Because you can get <laughs> one now. Thing. You can get the tax credit. Yeah. And they're kind of built for the ride-sharing thing. Yeah, I see I mean, that. they're fewer moving parts, okay. fewer maintenance right. is what I'm thinking. So, What else? Russell Givadin is asking about Corvettes, and are they slowly becoming their own brand? It'd be cool. said, I don't think I saw any Chevy logos on the latest Corvette, and no, you did not. They've been talking about this for years, and by they, I mean pretty much every automotive journalist and enthusiast on the planet who has a remote interest in Corvettes, and that is we're noticing. We're seeing all the flags and the Corvette logos and no Chevy anywhere, Yeah, yeah. but Chevrolet has not made an official announcement out of it. They just gravitated towards that direction. So with the C8, I hope they make it official. Well, I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I would like to see Corvette be a sub-brand, and they have three cars in their lineup. One is a, and they're all two-seat sports cars. The entire okay. lineup is two-seat sports cars. Okay. One is an FRS equivalent from GM. I'd like that. With a Corvette badge, four-cylinder, long nose, good balance, less than 3,000 pounds. That car costs you 30, 35 grand. That's the bottom of the Corvette lineup. Then you have essentially the current C7, a car that'll cost you, depending upon how you spec it, between 60 and 80. It's got... I mean, it's bigger and more of everything than the base one, if you will. It, it's the bigger car. And then you have, at about 150, the mid-engine supercar. And that's the Corvette lineup. Hello, GM. Wow. I, I love the idea, but more than the enthusiasts and journalists all over the planet, yeah. I think GM would need to be the most open-minded to that scenario mm-hmm. because they protect that brand more than any other brand they've got. But they, but they are a rare car maker who could have a sub brand that is just sports cars. They could. I love They're the, the very rare, sport, very rare brand that could do that. Especially yeah. when you've got volume sellers. I mean, they've got the Silverado. Yeah. They've got you know the stuff that is the volume sellers, and they will continue to have that. Tahoe Suburban. So why not peel them. off? You yeah. could have a sub brand with no effort, really. Yeah. Anyway. They need to be open-minded to this. Okay, so what else do you have on here? I have one more that actually relates to what I just talked about. Brian Friel wrote in on Facebook okay. and said, have you ever driven a car that scared us? Uh, and I actually thought of one. And it had a little bit so. to do with the time of when we drove it to. Okay. The last-gen Corvette ZR1. Oh, yeah. The car that hurt us. Yes, it was it painful. Injured like, us like, like necks were, were in pain the next day after driving it so hard. But but here's the thing. 
we took it on a great road. It's Highway 33 in Ohio. We had it out there and loved it. It was a great road. We had a lot of fun with that car. We drove it all over the place. We actually drove it a lot. We had it for, it was a good lengthy press loan for us. It was one of the first press cars we'd ever had that was worth six figures, mm-hmm. which already kind of put me on edge. Yeah. But then it was one of those, I mean, it's, it's not as good as the current Z06. I doubt it's anywhere near as good as the current ZR1. But it wasn't as good as the current Z06. It wasn't as confidence-inspiring. It was a little bit more of a bomb under the hood when you put your foot down. Yeah, And so there was this this lurk. And and don't get me wrong. It handled well. We enjoyed driving it. You can watch our old piece on it. But there was always, at least for me, this lurking sense of this could go very wrong. Hmm. And so I, I scared is maybe a bridge too far, but I was cautious driving that car constantly because I just thought I could put my foot in this too early and I will not return the car. Yeah. I, yeah, that time period was crazy. As I remember we were doing the Mulholland Drive thing and a lot of traffic and it was it was kind of crazy being in that we car. We drove that car a lot of places. Yeah, yeah we, we did, did. drove it all over LA. Wow. Okay, so last question for me is from Remington G21. Asking about the best car to teach someone to drive stick in, besides theirs and so, yeah, someone else's, yeah. yeah. But I would say a truck because the clutch hmm, okay. is more prone to take the abuse. I mean, oh, I like that. I learned to drive stick in a Jetta, nineteen eighty seven Jetta GLI. Mm-hmm. It was my mm-hmm. dad's, and I liked it, and I, I did great, you know, eventually. But I had some screw ups, actually a lot. Yeah, of course. And you did. Uh, he didn't like that too much because, <laughs> you know, German maintenance. But what about a truck? You know, those clutches are probably more robust. Sure, sure. And even if it's an earlier car and truck, probably the better because you'll really feel, mm-hmm. you know, more of the mechanical linkages and mechanical nature of that rather than a very slick shifting Honda S2000 or FRS or something like that. Sure, yeah. I, I would actually avoid the sports car world. Yeah. I would. The A lot of the little hatchbacks, especially in base trim, are good because they're good, their yeah. clutches are light as feathers. Now, and there's not a lot of power going through exactly. them, too. And that yeah. can be difficult as far as, I mean, like the, the truck is the other end of the spectrum. It's got a lot of information through the clutch because the clutch is heavy. Yeah. The, but, but at the same time, I think you're going to not have to worry about how much pressure do I put on this pedal if you're in something? The GTI is, is in, in this category. The Civic's in there. Sure, Civic's I mean, a good. lot of these base uh, hatchbacks don't go – I shouldn't say GTI. I should say Golf. Don't go the hot version. Go the base version of any of those hatchbacks. The clutch is so light. The gear shift is not this slick shifting thing, but it's easy. And the car will just die. Exactly. If, if you get it wrong, it won't judder and shake and exactly. kind of make you feel like you're out of control. Which, exactly. You know, like yeah. a <clears throat> Z06 – Anywhere, and I, and I, I taught a guy once in a '90s Honda Accord, and it was fine. You know, it's the sure, same kind of thing. It was sure. just a very normal car to drive. Guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate all your questions, and uh, looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets. Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.